What's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on another episode of the Pelican Debrief Podcast. For those of you who may be joining us for the very first time, first of all, welcome. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm so excited that you're here. Last week, we had some fantastic interviews with Saints Nation's Andrew Juge. What up, Juge? Space City Scoops' is Kelly Eco, and Nug Loves Matthew Huff, as well as Sacramento Kings expert Rafi Wong. And because of them, and because of your support, our listenership is really on the rise. And a very special shout-out to Phil Watson of Fansided NBA for the Twitter love. Now, on today's show, we are going all-in on the Chicago Bulls with our first two-part podcast. That's right! On this episode, you can hear Pelican Debrief editor and expert Rick Stone dive in on the Pelican's game plan. And later today, you can become a Bulls expert yourself in just 50... 52 minutes with the tutelage of PippinAin'tEasy.com's Daniel Coughlin. A truly awesome interview. I'm really looking forward to getting your reaction on it. Now, the interview is already up on blogtalkradio.com slash pelicandebrief if you get through this one and you just can't wait any longer. Uh, But before we get to Rick, let's get some technicalities out of the way. As you know, you're listening to Pelican Debrief Podcast of PelicanDebrief.com, but what you may not know is that Pelican Debrief is part of the grander Fansided Sports Network. Fansided also supports Pippin' Ain't Easy, the site dedicated to the Chicago Bulls and Daniel Coughlin. Now, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Preston Ellis and at Pelican Debrief. And follow Rick Stone at Rick Stone NBA, and then head to our site at PelicanDebrief.com. But for now, let's cut the chit chat. And in our lightning round, we're going to very quickly get through this and get to Rick. Let's discuss the Pels' win over the Kings. The Pels are winners again, 117-89 to in a revenge match that was not close. The Pelicans got up by as many as 23 points in the second quarter. DeMarcus Cousins was on a mission. We all knew it. His interviews had given us a, a quick precursor to what we were going to see tonight, and he didn't disappoint. He matched his career high in three-pointers on five of eight shooting from three. He had 37 points, 13 rebounds. Four blocks, uh, three steals, two assists. He also had five turnovers and five fouls, but hey, he was excited. Anthony Davis with 19 and 12 and five blocks. And then we had Drew Holiday was a little bit slower on that end, continuing his poor play. Only four points on two of nine shooting with four turnovers, even with Tim Frazier in the lineup. He still can't seem to manage keeping control of that ball. He did contribute five rebounds and eight assists. Then it was rounded out by Dante with 12, Etwan Moore with 13. Crawford had 12, albeit on 4 of 12 shooting, but he continues his streak, and that's what matters. 11 games out of 12 with 10 or more points. Now, from the Kings, their leading scorers were Scal Labissier and Buddy Heal. Buddy had 13 on 6 of 9, played very well distributing the ball, and uh, being more of a, of a facilitator than I remember him being with the Pelicans, had eight rebounds and three assists and really uh, did pretty well for the most part in his limited time. Tyreek had 11 on three of nine. We got treated to those ISOs from the other end of the spectrum. It was fun to watch and not gasp or grip my teeth every time his lay-ins hilariously uh, went off the backboard. 
Langston Galloway was a non-factor. Honestly, I didn't even see him out there, but he played 21 minutes. He was limited to three points on a one of seven shooting. Now, the big difference in this one was in assists, turnovers, points off turnovers, and fast break points. The Kings had 10 fewer assists than the Pelicans. The Kings had 22 turnovers to the Pelicans, 12. The Pelicans won that battle, points off turnovers, 36 to 10. And the Pelicans won the fast break battle, 27 to 10. Now, I don't want to talk too much about this because I want to get you guys to Rick Stone. The Pelicans moved to 33 and 43 on the season. They're still two and a half games back of the Denver Nuggets and four and a half games back of the Portland Trailblazers who beat the Rockets and uh, their path to that eighth seed only gets easier from here. Although breaking news, Yusuf Nurkic will be out for two weeks. So if the Pelicans have any prayer of the Trailblazers falling apart in this uh, last stretch, it'll be because of that. And they do have two matchups with the Nuggets remaining. But you guys, enough about this. The Pelicans are on a hot streak, winners of 8 of 11, and we've got the Bulls coming in Sunday night on the second half of a back-to-back. It's a game they should win, and to break it down for you, we've got to phone a friend. And now we welcome Rick Stone onto the podcast. This is our first second-time guest. Now, Rick Stone is our site editor and expert at PelicanDebrief.com. For those of you who might not know him, he's absolutely brilliant, and you can catch his material nearly every day on the site, including a pregame look at the Bulls that will be posted on Sunday morning, and follow him at RickStoneNBA. Rick, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Pretty exciting night, the return of Buddy Heald, Tyreek Evans. It's a pretty crazy game, but uh, this one's going to be an interesting one to look at, too. Chicago's one of those teams that's tough to really get a gist of who they are and what they are, but it's going to be a good game. Yeah, as Rick just mentioned, we are recording this on a Friday night pre-Sacramento Pelicans game. The game is actually starting any minute now. Now we've got a lot to unpack with that. Post-boogie trade, the Pelicans lost six of their first eight, but since they've ride the ship, they've won seven of their last ten, and hopefully they'll win again tonight. Jordan Crawford is a bright spot. Drew Holiday up and down. Tim Frazier is now our starting point guard. Uh, And shockingly, AD and Boogie have had little to no trouble playing together. Talk about the difference between the Pelicans in the first eight games post-trade when they were two and six and uh, the 10 following that when they're on the seven and three run. Talk about the difference between those two teams. Well, it's been really interesting. When DeMarcus Cousins first came to the team, this was a brand new kind of team to play again. Remember, with Sacramento, they played a slower pace. It wasn't this high-tempo thing that Alvin Gentry does. It was grind it out, get Boogie the ball, and let him create. So going up now with Anthony Davis, who is the first real second major guy to be have Boogie play next to him, is a whole different thing to go up against. He's been playing with Willie Cauley-Stein, Scal Labrizier for most of the season. So it had to have felt completely different to now play with Anthony Davis. And that takes some time. And let's not forget the Pelicans went from a team that had all these shooters around to really not having that many shooters at all. They started trusting Solomon Hill, who has just started to find a little bit of rhythm. They lost Buddy Heald, who was their best three-point shooter. Uh, Langston Galloway might have been better than him. And they replaced him with Etwan Moore having to shoot threes, who has been a work in progress, and then 15 different 10-day signings before Jordan Crawford finally got going. And it's it's been a, a long process because the team that you're looking at now is talking about Jordan Crawford. They have Tim Frazier, who's now starting, who wasn't giving in any minutes when this whole trade started, is completely different from the team when the boogie trade happened right from the get-go. So it's 
it's almost like this is the second season for this team. You know, they had their first part of the season where it was Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Buddy Heald, getting used to that team. And then halfway through the year, they switched it again and had to start a brand new season while the other 29 teams in the NBA had already found out their team. So this has been an interesting process to watch, but it's starting to feel like that Boogie and Davis are finding this really good chemistry inside. And more so the team in general is just finding a really good way to get their offense going. And what's been more impressive is the defense. The defense looks so much better. The communication is getting there, though. This team really needs a defensive leader, some guy who's going to communicate on the floor, let everyone know what's going on, someone like a Tony Allen. But um, they're getting there. It's starting to look like a team that next year could be extremely competitive if they continue to keep progressing and learning how to play with each other. You mentioned that it feels like there's two different teams. And I know, you know, uh, about three weeks ago, it was right at the tail end of that two and six start. Uh, Sporting News came out with a report that Alvin Gentry needed to close with, quote, significant progress. Over the past 10 games, have you seen that significant uh, progress? Man, it's interesting because there's definitely been progress, but significant is such a gray word because Uh this is a Pelicans team that said, okay, Monty Williams, you need to make the playoffs to save your job, made the playoffs, and yet still got fired. So it's really tough to tell with New Orleans management on, well, is it enough? Because this team looks better. They look like a really competitive team. And at the end of the year, that's something that you want to see is going into next year, they look like they could really be a a good team in the Western Conference. There's other teams that might fall off a bit. The Clippers are a really big question on if they're going to make changes, what's going to Sorry, what's going to happen with that roster? The Memphis Grizzlies are a big question with Zach Randolph's health going up. They had a lot of injury issues. So the Pelicans look like they could make that sneak in next year if they continue to develop. But then there's the other problem of, is Alvin Gentry the right fit for this system? It's been a big question going on for a long time because he was the right fit for the original team. Before that trade happened, the team started to get things going. They looked like the high-tempo team that was working before. Sure, the defense wasn't great, but it was looking like the team that was originally envisioned. Now, it's almost like this roster is a little tricky for Gentry to get used to because he hasn't dealt with a true center and a true power forward that like to play slower. It's It's... Tough to tell if he's going to keep his job. I'm not really sure. I'm kind of 50-50 on it right now. But I do think these last, I believe it's eight games or seven games, are really going to tell a story. Because this is a team that will be playing the Denver Nuggets twice, the Chicago Bulls. Yes, they have the Warriors. But a lot of these teams they're playing are not at the level where they think they're going to be next year. So they need to end this year convincing. Even if they're not going to make the playoffs, which, let's face it, they're probably not. Uh, Portland's got that slot pretty much locked up, but they need to make a very convincing case that they are not only an improved team, but a team that's ready to contend for Alvin Gentry to really lock in his uh, contract next season. And you did mention some of the games coming up. We've got the Kings tonight, the Bulls on Sunday. We've got two against the Nuggets. We've got one against the Warriors that by all accounts should be resting on the third game of the season, or at least not going out. They they probably won't need the game, although they are pretty uh, closely locked with the Spurs as we speak. But then we've got the Lakers and we've got the Trailblazers on the so it, it is a slate that the capables are that the Pelicans are capable of running at this point. Let me ask you one more question before we get to the Bulls. Did you see the report Kevin O'Connor wrote last week? Players like Anthony Davis don't stay in cities like New Orleans. Yeah, I saw it. It's it's really tough to say because they say that, 
but there's certain players that end up staying in uh, markets that you expect. Look at how long Dirk Nowitzki has stayed in Dallas. And yes, yeah, Dallas okay. is a much bigger city than New Orleans, but it's not one of those teams that when he signed there was this marquee team that always kept the best players. It was a building team as well. It was one of those that had a decent market, but wasn't the top of the NBA. And yet he's been loyal to the team because they've shown him what they can do to make a contender. It's something that's always said in the NBA because a lot of these smaller market teams don't get to keep their picks because they want to go win. This is the NBA. There's 30, I believe 30 teams and only one gets to win a title every year. And everyone wants to win a title, especially the superstars. So, I mean, I get it, but I also think it could change right now. You know, if this team figures it out by next year and Boogie Cousins stays and they start to build this foundation, it's going to be tough for Anthony Davis to find a better situation where a team's going to give him all that money and then be able to build a core around him. I mean, yes, he could go to a superstar team, but I think he's ha- I think he's comfortable. I think he's okay with being the, the face of the franchise and willing to give him one more shot. And if they can figure it out, he might be him here for the long run. It certainly seems like DeMarcus and, and Anthony Davis are enjoying each other. I don't know if you've seen these clips on Twitter. The Pelicans uh, brass have been posting of the two of them clowning around right before the introductions. And we saw on FSNO the other night, uh, Boogie and Czech Diallo clowning around. Uh, it, it certainly seems like he's enjoying himself and they are winning. But let's get to the Bulls. As we stand, the Pelicans sit at 32 and 43. We've got the emotional game tonight. Uh, we're four games back currently with seven games remaining. We have to win this game against uh, a Chicago Bulls team that's 35 39. They've won uh, three of their last four, including, uh, I don't know if you've seen the hashtag TNT Bulls, but they've won 20 TNT uh, games in a row, and they swept the Cavaliers 4-0 this season. But they've got the Hawks on Saturday night, and then they've got an afternoon game against the Pelicans here, so they should be tired. What do, what do you think happens? What are, what are you looking forward to most out of this matchup? Well, the interesting thing is Chicago is in a playoff race. So it's not like they're going to come into this game. It's not like, well, they've had some troubles with their management, their coaching, and a lot of the players have been at each other for a while. But this is a team that's certainly going to come out trying to win games. You know, they want to make the playoffs just as much as any of those other teams that are in there trying to make the playoffs. The other thing, though, is they're kind of banged up. They have a lot of injury issues. Dwayne Wade has missed a long uh, portion of this month due to an injury, and I believe he's going to be out. Um, but I'm not sure it's a little too early to look into that. And I don't know Dwayne Wade's injury situation, but this is a team that has really relied on Jimmy Butler. He's their star. He's the Anthony Davis of the team that really gets everyone put together. And they put up some decent numbers this month, even though it's been one of those shaky portions of the season. I think this game is going to come down again to what it comes down a lot of the times to teams that are evenly matched, which is what I think of this situation is who wants it more. You know, the Pelicans are a team that's probably out of the playoff race. They could just try to learn and or they could try to win this game, whereas Chicago is still trying to figure out who they are when Dwayne Wade is injured and who else can really step up. There's been guys like Bobby Portis, who's played a lot better in this month, looks like a improving player. who A lot of Bulls fans are excited for Denzel Valentine's have gotten a lot more minutes. He's an interesting player to watch. Paul Zipser is a guy many people don't even know who he is, but he's an interesting player that has that range. This is going to be a game where the Pelicans can't fall into this, but we're better than this team, so we'll beat them. They got to come out, and they got to come out firing early. And if they can, 
I do believe they're more talented and have a better chance of winning. But Chicago's one of those grinding teams. They've always been one of those teams that never makes it easy on you. Even if they're tired, they're going to make it hard on you to win the game. So I would expect kind of an ugly affair. We've seen a lot of that with the teams the Pelicans have played against, but especially in this game with Chicago, who knows how to turn games in their favor. Yeah, I spoke with uh, Daniel Coughlin last night of Pippen Ain't Easy, and it was interesting because I presented this question of, you guys have no chance. You're playing three games in four nights. You're on the second half of a back-to-back. You're playing Saturday night and coming on Sunday night. And he said, you know what, Preston? These are actually the kind of games that the Bulls win. They don't make a lot of sense. They fall behind 15 points to the 76ers, and then the next two games they blow out the Detroit Pistons and the Milwaukee Bucks, who have won 11 of 14. And then they beat the, the Cavaliers on Thursday night, he said it's it's very difficult to predict. All you can predict is that they'll be unpredictable. But he did give me a little uh, tidbit that Rajon Rondo, uh, true to his name, is not playing very well unless the lights are are shining on a, on a primetime type affair, which was the, the drawback against him in, in his Boston days. Dwayne Wade has a broken elbow. We won't see him. Zipser is a, a second-round pick this year, and he's been thrust into the starting spot with the the trades of Doug McDermott and Todd Gibson and Wade's injury. They had been going with Butler, Wade, and Rajon Rondo. But right now, it seems like the guy we've got to worry about the most, Nikola Miritich, is averaging 17 points in only 29 minutes. He's kind of been their second go-to guy. And uh, by all accounts, he should start this game against Anthony Davis. Now, Daniel said sometimes uh, Hoiberg will will do some interesting things with the lineup where he might put in uh, Cristiano and might even give Meritage a DNP. It's very hard to predict. But if Meritage is in the lineup, how do you think that matchup goes with AD chasing him around the perimeter and him trying to body up AD in the post with uh, these mid-range jumpers and these uh, running floaters that AD has been utilizing so successfully lately? I completely forgot about Meritich. He's He's been having a really good offensive month, but he is one of those players that's very streaky. You know, he's either going to have a really good game and sometimes he has games that are dreadful. And the Anthony Davis matchup is really interesting because the Bulls like playing him a power forward because of that range advantage. You know, if he's going to get bullied inside with his size, he knows that this team likes to play some help defense inside anyway with Robin Lopez. They have a lot of power forwards and come off the bench and play. You mentioned Felicio, Portis. Um, but what uh, Miritich brings power forward is that range. You know, he's a let, deadly shooter from outside, and when he gets that space, he can bury it. However, Anthony Davis is one of those guys who can close space very quickly and could really contest some shots. Anthony Davis has the athleticism to really give him problems uh, when Miritich is defending him while the Bulls can come over and help. It's Anthony Davis. He's going to draw the fouls. He's going to be able to get the shots to go anyway. So this is a really, really – good game for Anthony Davis to have another breakout affair. And as far as Miritich is shooting, he's going to have some contestion. You know, these are not going to be easy looks for him. Davis will close out on him and he will do a really, really good job at burying him. And the other thing you have to look out for is the switches. You know, Miritich is used to playing these bigger guys who don't have the speed to keep up. Well, the Pelicans will just switch smaller guys on him. They'll switch Solomon Hill who will hound him. They'll switch on Drew Holiday who will be swiping at the ball all the time. So it's not going to be an easy game for him, and it's going to be difficult. But if he's on a shot, he's going to give problems for the Pelicans because he is lethal from behind the arc. I was going to ask you uh, in a moment, um, Solomon Hill, it seems, has been paired against uh, opposing teams' best wing players. In this matchup, do you think you see him on Miritich a bit more? Do you think they keep him on Zipser? Or do you think that he pressures Butler for most of the game? 
I got to say Butler because Butler's just such a freakish animal at the uh, small forward where they're playing him. They're really going to need somebody to try and limit him as best as he can. He's just, he's really, really hard to guard because he has that athletic ability to just drive at will. And yet he also has that range when he needs it to get open. You know, Solomon Hill has struggled on offense, but his defense has gotten better throughout the year and it's starting to show its promise. And he's going to need a lot of it against Butler. He's one of those small forwards when you talk about the LeBron James is the Kawhi Leonard's Jimmy Butler gets forgot a little bit. He's really, really in that top tier of small forwards because he knows how to get open and he knows how to find a shot. So this is going to be a challenging game for Solomon Hill. They might switch, but I could also see them really telling Solomon, look, your job is to shut down Jimmy, Jimmy Butler at all costs. Yeah, he's kind of their only offensive weapon at the at the moment outside of Miritich with all the injuries and the, the trades that they've had uh, haven't quite gone their way as Cameron Payne uh, was was not even dressed on Thursday due to a coach's decision. But something I've really been meaning to ask you about, uh, I've been getting really frustrated and I understand the logic about it. At the beginning of the second quarter is what I'm talking about. The past seven games, Alvin Gentry has gone to a lineup void of the, quote, big three, Holiday, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins. And I understand the reasoning is to get these three guys to play as many minutes together as possible because you want to see how they look on the floor together, you know, with all these big uh, decisions coming up in the offseason. What what are your thoughts on this Tim Frazier, Jordan Crawford, Etuan Moore, Cunningham, and some mixture of Agensa, Monte Yunus uh, lineup that has been starting the first three to four minutes of every second quarter, and with the exception of the Nuggets, has just been getting killed. It's Alvin Gentry's plea of exactly what you said. He wants to play the big three as many minutes as possible. So he's trying to put out the lineup without any of those big three that has the best chance of keeping the game in range. You know, none of those guys are probably going to change the game. And the best the Pelicans can really hope for with those lineups is to hold par, you know, keep the games as close as they can. But it is a problem. You know, this team does not have the biggest problem outside of the big three is there's not a lot of creators ever since the Tyreek Evans, Buddy Heels, who were able to create their own shot. Those guys aren't there anymore. And the closest thing you have to that maybe is Etuan Moore. But even then, he sets up other players more than actually getting his shot. Same can be said for Tim Frazier. That lineup does not have a lot of shot creators. And the closest thing is Jordan Crawford, who teams know is the closest thing to that and just guard him incredibly tough. And, you know, for a guy who's been able to hit a lot of tricky shots, it's still difficult to be the main guy on the floor when you're Jordan Crawford, who does not have all the skills that the guys in the big three have. So I think it's flawed, but it's the end of the year. They're probably out of the playoff push. It's Alvin Gentry's best hope to try and keep games close. Could it be better as an overall game perspective to keep those guys on the floor separately and have one of the big three on all the time? Probably, but this is more setting up for the future where you're saying, okay, we're going to set these three up to be the core of the team. So they need to know how to play together late in games from the beginning of next season. They need to know what they're doing. They need to know the plays that work. They need to know the plays that they shouldn't do. And this is really what the last 10 games of the Pelicans has been setting those three up to be the core of the team going forward. And I think that's his goal with these second quarter early lineups is to give all of them rest so they can play together as much as possible. All right, we're going to talk about Drew in a second. We uh, we haven't really talked about Boogie yet, and I wanted to bring this up because 
Today, uh, I just saw in Bleacher Report a quote that Boogie said they, the Sacramento Kings treated him like a piece of cattle in the trade. Now, I don't want to talk about that news story because we're obviously not reporting on the on the Kings game yet to come tonight. But I just talk a bit about the Pelicans are filled with players like Solomon Hill, Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, these mild-mannered, soft-spoken guys who always say the right thing, but, you know, not a lot of splashy headlines. And then you trade for this guy named Boogie Cousins, who thanks the referees after a Memphis Grizzlies game. Uh, it's, uh, the other day when referencing the Kings, he said something like, I'm excited to win the game. And he kept getting questions, and he just... He just kept giving the same response. And today, now that quote, how fun is it having a player in the Pelicans locker room who who you can always count on for a great quote? Well, what's interesting is, you know, the big nickname for the Anthony Davis boogie combo is Anthony Davis's ice. And that was kind of the whole feel of this Pelicans team was they were just ice when it comes to how they play. And not just cold as in they don't have any personality, but they're very quiet. They're they're very well-mannered. They don't really get too hyped up. They don't get too crazy. And that was actually a problem for a while with the team was they didn't seem to have, you guessed it, the fire. They don't have that thing that gets them going when they're behind in games, that sparks them up, that gets the, the fans involved. You know, this is a good arena that can get good quality attendance, but they need that fire to get them in the game sometimes. And DeMarcus Cousins brings that so it's not only good for the entertainment purposes it's good for the team in general it gives them some different aspect that they can go to when things are not going their way and even when things are going their way a lot of the things that i've seen in these blowout wins that they had specifically with denver is they rally around demarcus cousins even when he's not in the game he didn't even play but you saw him on the bench joking around with the guys getting them fired up really getting with them and getting them involved and this is something that the pelicans really needed And not just for his play on the court, but off the court, he's been a great guy for the city and he's been a great guy for the team's overall chemistry. And it's something many might not have expected, but it's working. And the team's been playing a lot better since the original stretch where they had to figure out how to play with DeMarcus Cousins. And a lot of people bring up the record of, well, they have this record with DeMarcus Cousins. It's not that great. Well, yeah, you made a trade and changed your team halfway through. It's not going to be great. This is a whole new season for you know, 20 games. It's all about next year and setting up something special for next year. And it looks right now as the team is playing, like they really are setting up something special with Boogie and AD. Yeah. Before we uh, get to some off season talk, uh, Boogie is primarily going to be matched up against Robin Lopez, the the former Pelican. Now he's been to the, to the Blazers, to the Knicks, and now he's a bull. Uh, are you looking forward to seeing him again? Obviously, we've uh, seen him in previous years for the other teams, but are you looking forward to seeing a Boogie-Robin Lopez matchup and uh, thinking of the old uh, days with Lopez in New Orleans? Well, it's interesting because Robin Lopez has actually given Boogie some fits in the past. He's really been, the best way to put it, is a pesky defender. He really gets on the opposing center, and he's a good defender at that too, so we've got to give him that. But he also knows how to get in your heads. He's one of those guys that's really good at If somebody's able to break down and get frustrated, like Boogie has shown before, Robin Lopez is one of those guys who knows how to get that out of a player. You know, he plays some defense that is tough to handle at times, but he also can get himself in foul trouble. So it really depends on if Boogie can get to Robin Lopez before Robin Lopez gets to him. He's one of those guys you love to have on your team because he's so feisty and works so hard. You hate to play against him because he is such a tough defensive out because of what he does to the opposing center and how he gets in your head and tries to get you out of your element. 
So I'm excited to see the matchup. I like Robin Lopez personally. He seems like a fun guy. But at the same time, hate seeing him play against my team because, man, he he's good at what he does. Okay, let's get a prediction. What do you think happens on Sunday? I actually think the Pelicans are going to win this game. I think the the presence inside helps them in this uh, the way the game's probably going to go. The Bulls play a slower pace. They're not one of these teams that the Pelicans have played a lot of recently, the Denvers, the Sacramentos, that like to play up-tempo. This is a slower-paced team that the Pelicans have been doing really well against since this DeMarcus Cousins trade. And this seems like the same kind of story. You know, the Bulls are going to try and get the most out of their possessions and try to defend as best they can. But Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins are very hard to guard against inside the paint, and they should be able to take full advantage against Robin Lopez and whoever the Bulls put on at power forward. They're going to try and double team inside. They're going to get at the Pelicans driving to the basket. So it is going to come down to some shooting as well. Solomon Hill will probably have to make some shots. Jordan Crawford will have to be Jordan Crawford, which he has been for a good while. Etwan Moore will have to show some range. But I do like the Pelicans if I'm picking a team to win, though I do think it's going to be a very close game. Yeah, you're absolutely right about uh, scoring more effectively against these slower-paced teams like the Mavericks, uh, the third slowest team in the NBA. They've been scoring 107 points in the past 15 games, which is way up on their average beforehand. But, uh, okay, we've got our prediction for that. Let's get to the offseason. One thing that I wanted to touch on, these guys that I talked to yesterday, Daniel Coughlin is the side expert at Pippin Ain't Easy. One of their contributing writers, Hunter Keffel, talked about how interested the Bulls would be in Drew Holiday and even talked about a potential trade. Uh, Obviously, that's come and gone. The Bulls don't have a lot of flexibility because most of their players are restricted free agents. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams, Meritich, Laverne, Felicio, but there is the interest there. This is one team that we could be potentially fighting for Drew Holiday for. Given Holiday's move to combo guard and uh, the way he's been playing lately, how are you feeling towards that off-season decision that we're ultimately going to have to make pretty soon? I think for Drew Holiday, because of what happened early on in this season, with how the Pelicans gave him some time to deal with family issues and you know get his life in gear he really does feel grateful for that opportunity because that was a serious deal. That was a life-changing thing that could have gone wrong for Drew Holiday. Thank goodness it didn't, and everything's okay on his front. But he seems to have shown his gratitude for that. So I think if the Pelicans want Drew Holiday, he will go to the Pelicans. You know, that's the team that he wants to stay with. He seems to have found a home here, and he seems to really like being on this roster, even if they have not figured out how to be a title contender yet. So in that situation, I think it really comes down to the management. If they believe that Drew Holiday is the guard that really makes the difference, they're going to sign him, and he's probably going to pick the Pelicans over anyone else. You know, the only thing that could go against it is the fact that he does want to play with his brother. His brother right now is on, I think he's on the Knicks still, right? Um, Yeah, Justin. So that could make a a big play in it. But right now, I think the Pelicans are by far the leading candidate to re-sign him if they do want to re-sign him. It's really on them right now to decide what direction they go. And I mean, as far as the Bulls, they've got a lot of questions with their team before they even get into signing a new point guard. So I'd worry about that first before, because, you know, Jimmy Butler has shown his um, uh, unhappiness with the direction the team has gone. They've made a lot of changes. They look like they're going new and young. So it, it'll be interesting to see, but I don't really see them as a serious contender against Pelicans for Drew. You're the general manager for the New Orleans Pelicans. What do you offer Drew Holiday? Oh, man, that's such an interesting question. Um, 
I don't know if I, I offer him the max, you know, it's really tough to offer in the max when you have such a limit uh, money, but I think I talked to Drew a lot before, you know, you start to offer him anything. There's going to be a lot of conversations to be had after the season on what's your plans. Are you really seriously considering looking at the free agent market or should we just try to get a deal set before the free agency even begins? So uh, I probably offer him a, a, a little bit amount under the max enough where I feel comfortable that I can build some pieces around him and then negotiate with Drew around that. You know, if, if I really believe that he's the guy that's going to be the guard of the future for this team that really sets them apart from other teams, which I probably do because if you're looking at the guards in this off season, there's not much there that's actually going to be available. So I probably offer him close to the max, but if he's looking at other teams for max money, it's going to be a really, really tough call. Okay. Uh, the first quarter of the Pelican Sacramento Kings game is almost at an end. It's 26, 17. As we stand now, I've got one question left for you and then I'll let you get to the game. Uh, let's say the Pelicans somehow magically win the third pick of the draft of the 2017 draft. That's top three protected. The Sacramento Kings obviously have it right now. Do you offer it for Jimmy Butler? Hmm. Oddly enough, no. I, I don't think I do. I don't know if Jimmy Butler is the right answer for this team. They really need shooters. And Jimmy Butler is not a great shooter from behind the arc. He has the capability to be a shooter, but this team really needs marksmen. You know, they have the guys inside that are going to be getting the touches. You don't need a guy like Jimmy Butler who needs the ball a certain amount of times in the game to actually make a difference. I would more so if they got the third pick, look for a marksman in the draft. I don't think I worry about training it for somebody because I don't know if you're going to be able to get anyone that you'll have the money for because Jimmy Butler is going to be looking for a lot of money as well. And they're not going to be able to really pay him once his contract goes up. Um, I probably just look for a sniper in the draft that could potentially develop into a good player. I've always really liked Jason Tatum out of, I believe he's in Duke. Um, He seems like a good marksman shooter that fits what this team wants to do and could be available at that pick. I don't know. I'm not for the, the, all-in moves like that anymore. You made your all-in move with DeMarcus Cousins, and I don't think that pick alone would be enough for Jimmy Butler. I really think that they've got to be calm. You know, If you were able to get that pick, be calm and think about where what's the best marksman that you can get for that position, not just getting the best player because it might not fit the actual general direction of this team that wants to go. And I've probably already jinxed our chances at that pick by even bringing it up. So that will do it. You didn't jinx the second pick chances. That's true. (laughs) Uh, Let's, let's keep our lips sealed on, on any other possibilities. Awesome stuff, Rick. Let's get you, let's get you back to that game. Thank you again so much. You guys have been listening to Rick Stone. He is the site editor and expert of pelicandebrief.com where I work. Thank you so much for your time, Rick. And uh, let's go and get this win tonight. All right, thanks for having me. Go Pels. All right, that's it, Pelicans fans. Thanks once again to Rick Stone for being on the show today. Now, this isn't it for us. After the Bulls game, we're going to be having another interview with Matthew Huff of Nug Love. Now, you guys might remember that we had him on last week pre-gaming that Nuggets matchup that ended very well for the Pelicans, but we've got them on the docket this week twice. So we're definitely going to need to learn how the Nuggets plan to regroup before they face the Pelicans on Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. Again, thank you guys for joining us. My name is Preston Ellis. You can follow me at Preston Ellis. If you've made it this far, take another minute of your time for us. Go to iTunes. Give this episode a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate it. And thank you. Let's go, pals.